Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm Progress Texas Executive Director Kathleen Thompson. I'm Progress Texas Digital Director Sam Gonzalez. And I'm Progress Texas Podcasting Director Chris Mosier. This February and every month, Progress Texas is devoted to covering and advocating for the issues that you're passionate about. Breaking abortion rights news, landmark climate justice actions, amplifying pro-democracy and progressive candidates, and our revamped Humans Against Ted Cruz campaign, to name just a few. We're shaping the narrative in traditional media, blogs, social posts, and podcasts just like this. So we're looking for 29 new members to support this work monthly during our February Sustaining Donor Drive. It's a leap year, y'all. 29. That's right. Please donate monthly to show some love to our year-round advocacy and media work. And as a thank you, we've got great perks for our supporters who donate throughout the year. Now on to different checks and balances. Our judicial system of courts is supposed to serve as a check on the more dastardly whims of our legislative branch. When Texas state lawmakers pass a law that's inconsistent with our state constitution or the U.S. Constitution, our courts are theoretically the last barrier between us and unscrupulous laws. But increasingly, both nationwide and definitely here in Texas, our courts have been partisan political entities. And so when the lack of restraint comes in the form of extreme conservative overreach, most blatantly in the form of the near total ban on abortion in 2024 Texas, our courts become nothing more than a tool for those seeking an all-out culture war. In the case of the now Trump-stacked U.S. Supreme Court, in which the justices are appointed and serve life terms, that problem's very difficult. It's almost intractable, in fact. But here in the Lone Star State, the even more stacked all-Republican Texas Supreme Court's justices are elected by statewide vote. And just so happens three of those eight justices, all of whom have been central to the stamping out of reproductive rights in Texas, are up for re-election this year in November. Inter-progressive hero Gina Ortiz-Jones and her new Find Out Pack, which is aiming for these three abortion rights opponents with amazing new media materials, including this first video. Have a listen. The Texas Supreme Court ruled, ruled she did not qualify, qualify, qualify for a medical exception to the state's near total abortion ban. Total abortion ban. Jimmy, John, and Jane, three Texas Supreme Court justices. Yeah, really. Jimmy, John, and Jane told a mother of two she couldn't get the health care she needed. The health care that could save her ability to have children in the future. Yeah. Jimmy, John, and Jane denied the health care her doctor said could save her life. Because Jimmy, John, and Jane didn't think she was close enough to losing her life and fertility. Say what? Jimmy, John, Jane... How close is close enough? Minutes? A few hours? That isn't justice. That's bullshit. Political bullshit. Jimmy, John, and Jane fucked around with this woman's life. Jimmy, John, and Jane fucked around with her ability to have more kids. Jimmy, John, and Jane fucked around with the basic freedom to listen to one's doctor. Who's next? You? Me? What's next? Jimmy, John, and Jane are up for re-election this November. And they're about to see what happens when you fuck around. You find out. You'll find out from all of us what attacking our freedom means. Join Find Out Pack and let's let Jimmy, John, and Jane find out. Find Out Pack is providing a much-needed spotlight on the Texas Supreme Court. 
a central political entity that most Texas voters don't think much about in spite of the huge impact it has on all of our lives. Gina Ortiz-Jones, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm so excited to be joined here by, by Lauren Miller, who is uh, frankly the one with the most courage here and really a hero, uh, I think, for, for many uh, as she you know has, has lived through something, I think, very unfortunate, obviously, and is now willing to help others and make sure it doesn't happen in our state any further. So I'm really happy to be joining y'all and honored that Lauren is also with us. And yes, Lauren Miller, friend of Find Out Pack and Texan and a mother who was affected by these bans and an early supporter of the PAC who has come to tell her very personal story of how Texas's blanket abortion bans have affected her and so many other Texas women. Lauren, thanks for coming on to share. Thank you so much. And thank you as well, Gina, for that. I'm excited to be here this afternoon. Let's actually get started with you, Lauren. You're one of a growing number of women who have been very directly and personally impacted by all of this and uh, finally impacted by the lack of help or even clarity from the Texas Supreme Court. And uh, we want to say your courage in speaking out is uh, definitely noted and appreciated. Uh, Lauren, tell us your story and how you came to know Gina and find out PAC. Yeah. Um, and just want to say thank you. You know, it's, I almost just feel like this is the least I can be doing is trying to bring awareness to what's going on and letting people know how these bands are impact, Im- impacting people in the real world. So a mutual friend had connected Gina and I when she was getting ready to launch this pack, and I'm thrilled to support her. I mean, I knew who Gina was. So I had my little fangirl moment first. And once I got calmed out <laughs> <Right>. from that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was very exciting for me. And so after I calmed down from that uh, and I, the mutual friend had shared the video, I was like, yes, love it. What can I do? And so that's where, yeah, she'd connected, connected Gina and I. So I'm here to help. Um, yeah, as, as you said, early supporter of the pack. I think what she's doing is so important because these bands are so invasive. And I personally dealt with that right after Roe fell. I found out I was pregnant with, uh, with twins. My husband and I were thrilled, uh, though surprised and, Unfortunately, as we went through it, we found out that one of our twins had trisomy 18 and a long list of fatal conditions, uh, including fluid where most of his brain should have been developing. So it was very clear he would never live. And despite the fact that I was hospitalized twice for hyperemesis gravidarum, so really severe morning sickness, uh, you know, where I was going 36 hours plus vomiting and unable to keep anything down, I, I wasn't dead enough. I was not dead enough for the state of Texas to get the single fetal uh, reduction abortion that I needed for my health and to protect the life and health of my now healthy, healthy, happy son. And so I had to go to Colorado for an abortion of our unviable twin right around 15 weeks. And without, without that, my son would not be here today. Lauren, before I get to my next question, I just want to say to you, you know, we've we've talked on other podcasts about Roe v. Wade and um, decisions that happened decades ago with anonymity for the the people involved. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your story here today and what you're going to be doing this election year. It's really meaningful. Were you a politically active person before this experience? And uh, could you tell us how your views on politics may or may not have changed. Yeah, so I was always pretty politically active. Um, You know, when you're getting those texts from politicians, like I was one of those people or have been 
probably won't stop being uh, one of those people behind them. So I'm sorry, but we are real. Uh, <laughs> and so I was always pretty politically active. I'd been watching this, watching these decisions come down and was pretty nervous. I'd been watching the rollback of of our rights in Texas. I mean, we still continue to see that across the board. And so I'd always been very politically active. And this just, you know, is infuriating then for something that I felt like I'd been fighting for for so long to still come to pass to be personally impacted by because it didn't match my beliefs. Somebody else's beliefs were being forced upon me. And so that was a very frustrating thing to be going through. Um, and to be honest, I think I've been so angry about that that I've never properly mourned what we went through either. I'd always been very pro-choice. Uh, you know, there's friends of mine even remember uh, when I, we were going through sex ed or what passes for sex ed in Texas uh, <laughs> in, in middle school. And yeah, I think I was told to stop asking questions when it was the abstinence only part. <laughs> Jeez. Good for you. Yeah, that's Good that's for Texas you, education Lord. for you. You, you, <laughs> oh, never yeah. know. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. No, uh, yeah. What, the very distinct example was they tried to give some sort of abstinence-only lecture involving chocolate cake, saying you couldn't have the cake without the plate, the cake being sex and a plate being marriage. And I remember, you know, raising my hand, I was like, I can eat chocolate cake just fine without that. <laughs> they cut off a slice, put it in my hand, and they were like, no, see, you can't do that. And I just sat there and ate cake. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I like to think we all learned a valuable oh. lesson that day. Sure. Gina, you're known well in progressive circles, but let's reintroduce you to those who may be unfamiliar. Tell us about your personal background, which is nothing short of amazing military experience, campaign experience, work with the federal executive branch. Your impact has already been vast. Give us a quick overview of your career and work so far and how it's led to Find Out Pack. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, beyond what I've done professionally, I think core to who I am as a person is, you know, whose daughter I am. Uh, I'm the daughter of somebody who came here. She graduated, graduated from the number one university in the Philippines, came here as a domestic helper, right? And truly believed and did that because of, again, the promise of our country, right? Anything is possible in this country where you're willing to work hard um, and it's about your character. And so she just, my mom reminded, she raised us by herself. My mom reminded my sister and I that we were lucky, not smart. We were lucky to have been born in this very special country and we'd have to give back. And so it's why I served in a number of ways proudly. Um, and it's why my sister proudly serves as a drill instructor in the Navy. Um, I served in the Air Force, honored to receive an Air Force ROTC scholarship, um, attended Boston University, served in the Air Force, served under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, um, uh, proudly served as a member of the intelligence community for, for several years, advising on operations, everything from Latin America to U.S. Africa Command, um, and then wrapped up my career working at the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative on um, the intersection of economic and national security issues. Uh, 2016 happened. I know for a lot of folks, it was that a gut check, right? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for the opportunities that were so critical to me growing up healthy, getting an education and, and serving our country? So uh, threw my hat in the ring. I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy. But like, you know, sometimes you just got to bet on yourself. And I think at the end of the day, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, with everything that's going on right now, um, how am I best serving? And, um, and I think certainly what is happening in our own state right now, this is one of those moments for me as well. Um, but, you know, ran for Congress twice. Um, I think everything happens for a reason. Was unsuccessful, but proudly served as the 27th Undersecretary of the Air Force and, you know, worked every day to make sure that I was the type of undersecretary that I wish I would have had when I was that young cadet. 
Um, so very proud of the things I was able to do to make sure we're a stronger Department of the Air Force and certainly a stronger country as a result. Um, but have been home since July. And I'll be honest, you know, last December when I was reading, when I read about Kate Cox's case, um, and I was, and, and I could not believe uh, that this woman did not meet the qualifications for medical exception, right? So I took it upon myself. Let me let me read this. I'm not a lawyer, but I can read. So let me read this seven-page uh, opinion of the Texas Supreme Court. Like, what what exactly is the justification? And essentially, what it said is that you know she, this this pregnant mother of two, was not close enough to losing her life and not close enough to losing her fertility to qualify for the only exception possible in our state. I had a really visceral reaction to that, right? Um, again, what one, close is close enough, right? Minutes, hours, what are we, what are we talking about? And oh, and oh, by the way, how do y'all know, you partisan judges, you extremist judges, how do you know better than her doctor, um, much less any woman's doctor? Right. And so then the third question for me is, all right, well, how do we how do we get to a better spot? This is this is not right. Um, and so and then looking into the, the backgrounds of these folks, um, you you know, they're they're elected, as you all rightly point out, they're elected. They can be unelected. Right. So that's what we're going to work to do. And for folks that are wondering, yes, uh, find out pack is based on the very scientific concept of F around and find out. Right. So that's how we got the find out pack. I grew up in, I live on the far west side of San Antonio, John Jay High School. And so no one be, no one should be surprised by the name of this pack, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's just, I think, frankly, it's also, that was my reaction when I read that. I was like, this is ridiculous. How did, how did we get here? Right. Um, but I think, look, we're not hopeless. We're not helpless in Texas. And and uh, and we can certainly make sure that Jimmy, John and Jane, those three justices that are up for your election in November are unseated. Right. I think we're optimistic. We have never. And let me and I, I don't want to jump ahead. But like, you know, in our state, we've, we've never tried to do this. We've never tried to, to, to change the makeup of the Texas Supreme Court. So these folks have not been challenged. That's one. Secondly, when we look at, you know, what has happened in other states, we look at Kentucky, we look at Kansas, places that have very similar um, political compositions to our own. When this issue was put on the ballot for voters, voters overwhelmingly voted Absolutely. to elect protect reproductive rights. And so this is our ballot initiative in Texas, right? I mean, it's it's not exactly, you know, access to reproductive freedom, but you know what? It is holding folks accountable, Jimmy, John, and Jane, for the ways in which they have tried to rip away people's, uh, people's reproductive freedoms. And folks will say, well, they didn't write the law. No, they didn't write the law. However, they are allowing for the most extreme interpretation of that law, which essentially negates the one exception that we have in the state. So yeah, we're going to go after folks that we can go after. Their names are Jimmy, John, and Jane, right? And this is this is possible. I think what's also important is that this is where like Texans are with us on this issue, right? I mean, in February right. 2023, University of Houston Hobby School of Public Affairs they released the survey results, and in that. 82% of Texans surveyed supported medical exceptions. 82%. I mean, there's not a lot of things we agree on other than the Spurs are the, the, the best basketball team in the country that like that, that, that we agree on, right? So 82% are with us on medical exceptions. And so that just shows how extremist these justices are um, on this issue. And frankly, on a host of other issues that I'm sure we'll see between now and November. So findoutpack.com is where folks can go and make a contribution. And to your point, also watch our really, a really great video, launch video. I got a real thrill seeing that video for the first time, partly because, you know, watching the watching the proceedings of the recent hearings that they've had on abortion and on those exceptions. I don't know if any of you had the same experience as I did, but I found myself having hope 
that they would actually be reasonable about this and that we could be, have some clarity and that we could kind of all be grown ups and move forward and a reasonable sort of way. And of course that was not uh, to pass. And so I'm so glad to see uh, such a competent and, uh, and powerful message coming out, you know, uh, to challenge uh, this obstacle to all of our freedoms, especially those of Texas women. Can I go back to that, Chris, because I, sure. I think you all, uh, Kathleen asked um, Lauren a, a, an interesting question and in that were you politically active before this? There is nothing partisan or political about the ability to listen to your doggone doctor. Right. That's and right. hope that your doctor sure, right. is giving you the best information um, that you can to save your life, save your fertility. Right. Uh, make decisions again about your own body. Just the basic freedom to listen to your doctor is what we're talking about here. That is not a political issue. Right. And so uh, this even though the two political parties are in very different places on this issue, that is probably more reflective of their values uh, than this being an inherently partisan issue because it's not. Right. Right. If I can interject a little further, um, just something that you made me think of as we're sitting here talking, and I've said it before, um, and I think we've seen it play out that these bans are impacting miscarriage care. So you don't have to, you okay. could have gone your entire life thinking you're opposed to abortion and you may need this kind of care. Right. Um, but what do we do when there's no doctors? Like. Mm -hmm. These kinds of laws, these kinds of legal decisions are driving doctors out of the state. We've already got 147 mm -hmm. counties without an OB. I mean, that's effectively like having the population of Phoenix without an OB. What do we do when there aren't any doctors? I mean, are we back to just, you know, you're out on the ranch and it's hope you make it back to the house and labor there because there's no no duties coming. Having mm -hmm. no doctor is not a political thing. That just is the reality of what where we're headed. Well, it it, it does, though, uh, with all of that accepted, appear as though a political solution may be on the way in the form of what you guys are doing with this pack. And I, I wanted I guess I'll ask, let me ask both of you what you think about this. It's kind of a mystery to me with a, a, a body, a political body like the Texas Supreme Court being as uh, as powerful as, as it is and as impactful as we're all experiencing right now. How do we think, starting with you, Gina, how has the Texas Supreme Court managed to, up to this point, keep such a low mainstream public profile? Why don't we know more about these people? Yeah, well, I think um, I, I think we are seeing the the their interpretations of these very extremist laws and how those impact people's lives. I think I think the Kate Cox case in particular resonates with a lot of folks just because you know, they, they know they could be her. They know that she could be their family member, right? It is just one of those instances where it's like, well, you know, if this doesn't qualify for a medical exception, what what would, right? Again, it just it just conjures up some really basic questions about where we are, how we got here, and where do we go from here, right? To your point earlier about like, hey, we thought we could be really hopeful about this because again, her doctor said, you know, she needs this to save her life and her fertility. Once you like dig into the backgrounds of some of these justices, though, you can see how we got to where we are. And that was the other thing that was really infuriating when I looked at the backgrounds of Jimmy, John and Jane. Um, so let me give you a snippet of that, right? Because I think it's really important. It's not just the issue. There's also just kind of the basic fitness of these people to be justices in our state, right? So Jimmy Blacklock, all you've got to know about this guy is what Governor Abbott said about him in 2018 at, in public at a Texas rally for life. Uh, um, and again, in 2018, Governor Abbott said, quote, and I don't want to mess it up, so I'm going to read it. Um, I don't have to guess or wonder how Justice Blacklock is going to decide cases because of his proven record of fighting for pro-life causes. So that's Jimmy. 
right? That John Devine is really special. John Devine has campaigned on his own wife's high-risk pregnancy, his own wife's high-risk pregnancy. Uh, she lived, obviously, unfortunately, the, the child died, lived only for, for an hour. Um, and, and he has campaigned on, on being arrested dozens of times uh, for protesting in front of abortion clinics. And the last one, bringing up the rear, Jane Bland, she wrote an opinion in a separate case where she, where the Texas Supreme Court ruled that anti-abortion groups could not be held liable for defamation for equating abortion to murder, right? So, and I think that is, that is the other thing that kind of like blows your mind with this whole thing is like, we're all raised to think that, you know, you go to the justice system, it's going to be the woman in a robe, blindfolded, weighing the scale, right? Like it's impartial, you've got a real shot, right? Because these are impartial people, these are professional and partial people and that's just not what we have so i just it, it, like it just for all of us right so we've got these these women these families that have gone through this very traumatic experience that's one thing and then to have gone through this justice system then and to be confronted with these folks that are looking at the facts of the case when in fact the facts are not they don't matter right they clearly based on their actions and their words have demonstrated where they are on this issue which is the second slap in the face i think for those seeking justice which is again speaks to why jimmy john and jane need to be unseated in november here at the halfway point a quick reminder for you to hit our web store at progresstexas.org it's always open you can choose from y'all means all revolution or our most popular humans against ted cruz t-shirts They're union-made right here in Texas, of course. With your purchase, you're supporting our important work and looking great doing it. Again, the web store and other ways to support our ongoing mission can be found at progresstexas.org. As we painfully know, no Democrat has held statewide office in Texas in several decades. Obviously, the full slate of Republicans on the Texas Supreme Court is part of that same pattern. But, Gina, you just mentioned that abortion wins elections, and you're saying you know, abortion isn't a partisan issue. And you're right, because we're looked to Kansas and California and Michigan and Vermont and Kentucky and Virginia. It wasn't Democrats voting for abortion rights. It was Democrats, independents, Republicans, people who don't call themselves any party affiliation who stood up for our abortion rights. Is that why you see an opportunity for change this year in 2024? I think there's a number of reasons to be to be optimistic, right? I think one, again, this is the first time that we have ever challenged uh, the makeup of the Supreme Court, right? So this is the first time we've done this. Secondly, I think folks are really beginning to understand just how important that bench is um, when you look at the Kate Cox case and we look at some of these other cases. Um, and uh, again, as mentioned, as you mentioned, encouraged by what we are seeing in other states when this is put on the ballot and people and, and the people have an opportunity uh, to, to make their voices heard. Now here, it's about holding folks accountable for the ways in which they've ripped away people's reproductive freedoms. Um, but that's our, you know, that's what, if that's what we've got, and that's what we've got. And I think, you know, flipping those seats gets us closer to the Texas that, that we know we deserve. And again, let's be very clear about where Texans are on this issue. Um, the vast majority of folks, 82%, according to that University of Houston Hobby, uh, Public School, Hobby School of Public Affairs survey, 82% of Texans surveyed support medical exceptions. It's not even close. So I think all of those things together, on top of certainly investment, which is why it's important that folks go to findoutpack.com and make a contribution. Um, and I think we can get our state on the right track. These bans impact real people. There are lots of reasons to get an abortion. Every reason is a valid one. Um, 
But I think people don't understand enough about what is going on in situations like mine. We're a very villainized group getting the quote unquote later stage abortions, um, which I was 15 weeks. That's very early, but it's a very villainized group of why didn't they do that sooner? Why didn't they know sooner? And so I think that putting a face to this is really important. And, you know, I had a wanted pregnancy. I would have loved to have both of my twins. I'd always wanted three kids. I already had one. So I was seeing this as a BOGO deal. And I was, you know, devastated. I don't know if we will have a third anymore because of what I went through. And that's what I want people to realize is just how psychologically and physically traumatic it is to go through this process. And then also, again, if somebody, you know, as Gina said, like, this isn't necessarily a political issue. And, you know, in my case, my body didn't care what my politics were. I had a son that was just not viable and my body was on the way to killing me and my viable son. So I needed abortion care and I couldn't get that in Texas. And I think it's really important for everyone across the spectrum to understand how these bans are impacting basic healthcare. I previously heard Lauren share her story and it moves me every single time. And I think there's parts of it that I want, if you don't mind, Lauren, if, you, if you'd elaborate on, because I think it's just lost on people, right? Like one, how much it, 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 it costs you. I mean, you know, you've talked about, you know, you being kind of the best case scenario um, of this. And so please, if, if you don't mind sharing some of that, because I think folks need to hear that. Absolutely. So, Yeah. I am the best case scenario for how everything could go down under an abortion ban because it cost us $3,000 to go out of state and we had the ability to drop that within a week. That was the fastest I could get an appointment. And I probably got that appointment fast because a friend of a friend is an OB in Colorado. So I was actually texting the doctor on his personal cell phone. How many people wow. are doing that? Uh, you know, we had the money to be able to travel. We had the time, you know, getting off work was not an issue. We had childcare for our son. We were in a major city. We're close to Love Field in Dallas, so we could, you know, eat quickly, easily hop on a flight. That's not the reality for most people. Even for just getting to that diagnostic stage and getting that testing was easier for us than most people because we're just a mile from the maternal fetal medicine specialist um, from their office. We could take a next day appointment. We didn't have to wrangle things around. How many people have to drive an hour, two hours, three hours to be able to take an appointment like that? So just, you know, t uh, through all these different things, I was the best case scenario and layers of privilege should never determine who gets health care in Texas. You know, as as a veteran, somebody who's also worked in national security for a very long time, you know, this is the land of the free, the home of the brave. And for any American citizen to be dealing with what Lauren dealt with. But even, you know, she talks about, um, and that, Lauren, I'm going to ask you if you would elaborate on this piece too, just like the, the fear that you felt even getting that care is just it, it. I think it would shock people to understand that that is happening in our country. 
the conversations that are occurring in doctors' offices now are surreal. I be and especially at the time when I was going through this because it was so soon after uh, after Roe fell and the Dobbs decision. That was June twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, which ironically was the day by which my pregnancy was dated. I uh, and I was going through the need for the abortion at the end of September, early October. So very quick timeline. People were still trying to figure things out, and the level of fear was. It was unreal. Um, I'd be talking to a genetic counselor, so somebody who doesn't even provide abortion care. Her, She's a counselor. Her job is to counsel on options. She, she can't do that anymore. And she'd get halfway through a sentence and then just stop. And she was scared to say the word abortion out loud. And that happened with actually two different genetic counselors, uh, multiple doctors, multiple nurses. It was the same thing over and over again. One of them slipped that when she practiced in New York, they would have offered a single fetal reduction in my circumstance. And that was it. That I, you know, just grabbed onto that. That was a phrase I could at least look up on my own. And even then I was mm-hmm. scared, like, do I need to go into some private browsing mode? And when we were planning right. to go out of state, it was, are we going to drive? That's less detectable. Will we, you know, are we going to use our credit cards? Um, and we were even having a conversation like, well, would we leave our phones behind? No, we need to be, we need to know what's going on with our son. So it was only because we were taking our phones, we ended up using a flight and, credit cards. Um, and again, I was so sick. Hours before we left, I was in the ER for a second time, uh, vomiting so much that I hadn't been able to drive myself. Um, you know, I was throwing up chunks that I think were chunks of esophagus, uh, scared that the placenta mm. was going to detach. And all the ER doctor could do was just say, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I can't do anything more for you. And I'm sitting there, IVs in my arm for anti-nausea medicine, rehydration. Wow. Uh, and they couldn't do anything. Their hands were tied. And I mean, and she was so sorry. And I'd be a- apologizing to to my doctors for even asking questions because they were scared of getting in trouble. I was scared of getting them in trouble. Um, and even when we were in the airport, I, again, I was so sick. I think I only got through that flight on the adrenaline from the fear because I was visibly pregnant. It was a second pregnancy and a twin pregnancy. So I was showing pretty early and I was scared I was going to get pulled out of line and ask and asked why I was going to Colorado. Um, and, wow. you know, the entire time it was just this terrifying possibility. When we got to Colorado, we felt like we could breathe again. But that was short. That lasted the, you know, 48 hours we were there. And then once we touched down again, we were quiet. We didn't we weren't telling people we didn't know what to do. Right. And I think I mean, like, it's not hard to imagine how this goes even further south very, very quickly. Right. I mean, you've got these crazy people like hanging out in parking lots in other states, potentially looking at out of state parking, parking lights, I mean, excuse me, license plates, right? Trying to based on this based on this bounty law. I mean, it's just it's not hard to imagine, which is why it's so important that we do what we can to fight back and send a message certainly to any of these extremist justices, get these folks out of there, any of the other right. extremist justices in our state and certainly in, in throughout the country. I think What's important is we have seen that Texas has traditionally been kind of a proving ground for some of these very extremist policies that are then exported to other parts of the country. That's right. um, so I think we, we have to do what we can do in our in our state, you know, a state where one in 10 kids calls home. I mean, my goodness, as goes Texas, so right. goes the country. 
be. And so, I mean, and certainly based on, again, the courage of folks like Lauren um, and, and others, the, the least we can do, right, is, is make sure that we are doing our part to make sure this doesn't continue to happen. And this is part of the reason why people are leaving. The doctors are leaving the state because they don't want to be put in positions like that where they can't help. I mean, forget a lawsuit, forget all the things that they could uh, happen to them in terms of repercussions. They want to help people. That's why they got into the job. Right. And and now they can't. And now they can't. And now people are being harmed because of it. Now, I kind of want to go back to Lauren, the story and, and putting a face to it, because when you put a face to something like this, you know, you can see that it's not such a cut and dry thing. There's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of what ifs and stuff. And it ultimately leads yeah. to more access being the solution. Now, going to you, Gina, is that kind of the baseline philosophy of the find out pack, which because we saw the first materials and they were outstanding. But Jimmy, John and Jane putting a face to the other side of it, too, saying, oh, yeah, here's oh, one yeah. side. Yeah, here's one side. Here's who's affected by it. And yeah. here's who's causing it. Is, is that kind of what you're going after? You know, well, exactly right. But right? I read this doggone seven page opinion. I'm like, all right, well, uh, somebody's going to be held accountable, right? Who who is that? <laughs> right. It is Jimmy right. John and Jane. Let's be let's be clear, right? right? This is not a party thing. This is Jimmy, John, and Jane. And then you look right. at their backgrounds. And you're like, oh, not only were you terrible in this decision, but you are unfit to be on that court, right? Um, right. So, yeah, if you know Kate Cox, if you know Lauren Miller, you're absolutely going to know Jimmy, John and Jane. And I think, you know, I think we're encouraged by because that's that's what we're, that's what we got to be. That's that, like November is right around the corner. I know folks think it's down the road, but it's not. It's right around the corner. Right. I want you to know when you go into that ballot box, you might be voting for, you know, the other folks running in that race. Got it. But if you're only going in there and saying, I'm here to vote the hell out of like Jimmy, John and Jane, and then you vote for whoever's on the other side happy right <laughs> like whatever right, gets you right whatever gets you to the doggone ballot box right but i think what's really important is to recognize the real anger on the ground on this issue and we need to tap into that we need to get folks out to vote because that is how this that's how that's literally the only way this changes right you can talk about right. flipping the state house talk about flipping the state senate that's those are much heavier lifts and not as like these folks run statewide, right? And we all know that we are much closer uh, to, to flipping the state the state statewide than we are because the other seats are just so gerrymandered, which doesn't get us to the number that we need. But again, right. like when we look at other states, what is possible? Folks are energized by this issue. I think there's also, you know, some potentials for some reverse coattails, right? Like this, we know with younger folks, they're much more motiv- motivated by the issue, right? Not necessarily a person or a party, right? Or an ideology, but the issue. And we could right. not be further apart on on this issue when you look at the two parties. Gina's pointing out, you know, this is the this is the Texas Supreme Court and it's a statewide office. It's the highest, you know, it's the highest court in our state. And think about high how high level that is. And to me, it is just anti-Texan that that's who gets the say over your medical decisions, not sure. your doctor, right. not the not the doctor who is right there in the room with you treating you. It's people like Jimmy, John and Jane who are may not even be in the city they've never heard of you and they're the ones determining your health care well like we've been talking about i mean up until all this conversation started nobody had ever heard of jimmy john and jane really in the mainstream right do we do we know anything about uh gina and or lauren do we know anything about the people who are running against jimmy john and jane is there is there anything good to say about their uh, opponents who have declared in these races I mean, I think the good thing about them is they're not Jimmy, John, or Jane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you 
there you go. <laughs> we have the state open at this point. Mercy. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, I think we obviously there's a primary, right? So we'll right. see who comes out sure. of that. But I, we all know uh, we could do a lot better. Than, I mean, we're not even operating at zero. We're operating at a net negative with these people when you know just heard their backgrounds, right? I mean, it's not even it's not even close to a fair shot. Um, and so I think, um, again, this is our shot, this is our ballot initiative and encouraged again by what we've seen in other states um, and, and how this issue uh, resonates with voters. And, and frankly, people want an opportunity to hold folks accountable for the situation that we're, we are in our state. A side note, while we have a little pause there, I just, uh, we can cuss on this podcast first and foremost, probably should have mentioned yeah. that earlier because <laughs> I'm just imagining you reading, reading the case and just being like, okay, who's fucking around? <laughs> that was like your first reaction like all right because they're about to find out find out eureka i have the name no it's because <laughs> that's what they are i mean i mean that's what they're doing they're fucking around it's a scientific concept you and i have both seen the chart right this the is chart a, yeah it's a linear linear relationship between effing around and finding out so that's where we're Chris, at. I'll, se- I'll send you the video she's talking about. It's quite hilarious. And we'll put it in the show notes because it yeah. is quite hilarious. Yeah, it is. It. Some folks have reached out. I was like, what is that based on? Like, well, let me share that with you. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it, that, that's where we're at, right? It's where we're at. Let's, why why are we sugarcoating this? Why are we, why are we tiptoeing around this? Like, let, we know who we're going after. We know what we got to do. Like, let's get on it. So my next question is, let's say that our dream scenario plays out here and we do end up with three Democrats alongside the other Republicans on the Texas Supreme Court. Um, once Jimmy, John and Jane um, are sent packing, is there an immediate impact for abortion rights? I think what you could have, I mean, if anybody, if you have, if folks haven't already, so one, I would encourage folks to do a couple of things. One, read the seven page Texas Supreme Court opinion in the Kate Cox case, read that. Right. And then you'll be mm-hmm. just as pissed off as I am. Secondly, go watch the closing arguments um, in the Zorski case and w- listen to the ridiculous nature of the questions that those justices ask. I mean, they're essentially saying, hey, why don't you just go sue your doctor? Like, right. yes. No, that's not the issue. Have you not been listening to these women? They have no issues with their doctors. It's the fact that right. their doctors are so fearful of what could happen to them um, if they if they do what they are supposed to do, what they are trained to do, and that is based on that's based on the law and y'all's interpretation of law. It's not an issue with the doctor. But go listen to those ridiculous questions. Um, and I think at the very least, we would have people asking more intelligent questions. I think there. I think we also agree there'd be more integrity. Uh, more impartiality on the court as a result of not having Jimmy, John, and Jane there. And something else, too, is that I think it would impact how the attorney general's office is treating things. If you watch those arguments, then you notice that Beth Klusman, who was representing the state, she wasn't even prepared. She was asked a question about anencephaly, which impacted several plaintiffs, and she didn't even know what that was. And just kind of laughed it off as well that she didn't know what that was, which is not having a skull. Like, you can't survive that. And she didn't know what it was. She wasn't prepared. And she didn't have to be prepared because she knew who she was arguing in front of. And I I mean, I would think it's shocking. You would think that they would have been insulted by that level of lack of preparation. But the attorney general's office doesn't even have that's they can come to they can come to class without having read the book is basically where they are right now, too. So it impacts 
everything, you know, as I said, it's the highest court in the land. It impacts everything in our legal system on all the way down. Can I just second what Gina just said about go and watch the, the end of those arguments and we can put those in the show notes. They did say, yeah. why don't you sue your doctor? But the doctors were there in court with the women, with right. the plaintiffs standing by right. them um, and saying that the, the, these abortions were, were so needed. So we certainly link those in the show notes. Like there's also just this, this delta between like reality and like how they are imagining this, right? Can you imagine going through this very traumatic experience? You're like, okay, the doctor says I don't have much more time. Oh, so now let me go online and try to find a lawyer and go through this. Like, that's ridiculous, right? Like no one, no one is going to do that. People are going to focus on their life and on their fertility and, and doing what they need to do. And, and obviously then that, you know, makes it very difficult to do any of the ridiculous things that they're talking about. And that's where Kate was so amazing too, uh, that she was going through that process and she did, she went through all the hoops they said. Uh, she went and she got, she got a lawyer. She reached out to the Center for Reproductive Rights got a lawyer, went through all the hoops they said, and it still wasn't enough. She wasn't dead enough. And that's where we are is, you know, you, how dead do we have to be? Right. And, and Lauren, besides needing to die in order to qualify for care that you should already have already, I mean, going now into this, this election, what are your hopes for this election year? And what do you want people who are just waking up now to the problem and are now seeing the complexity of the problem? I mean, beyond just wanting a judge that knows what the hell's going on and has read and done research beyond that, what do you want out of this election from those people who are new to this topic or new voters even? So I welcome everybody coming into this. You know, I've spoken with one woman who had never been involved in politics, never had really supported abortion, hadn't fully understood it, and then went through this process and is now very outspoken about it. And I think that's so brave. I really want to, you know, extend an invite to anybody who's gone through this, who previously didn't support abortion to start sharing your story, uh, you know, assuming it's safe for you to do so. But please share your story because stories like like ours are not they're not uncommon tragically. Um, I mean, the statistic is that one in one in four will need an abortion. One in four will get an abortion, and so what that means for people is that they know somebody who has had an abortion or who will need an abortion. So I think starting to share these stories and humanize us is really important, and that's what I hope happens in this election cycle: is that folks start waking up and shaking off some of these outdated beliefs, uh, some of which are rooted deeply in racism, uh, sexism, and start coming to the table and realizing what we need to do to fight to get our rights back. It's also, let's be very clear about where, I always just like to keep the main thing the main thing, right? There is one person running for president that thinks a woman should be able to make decisions about her body. That man's name is Joe Biden. Not, again, this is a nonpartisan issue, but the parties are so, they're on different planes, when yes. planets, truly, when it comes to this issue. And so on this issue in particular, it's not a partisan issue, but the, the, the candidates are just on such different areas. If you care about reproductive freedom, if this is your issue, it's, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer, right, who, who you're going to vote for. But findoutpack.com is the website. That is where the video is. There's also a Spanish language video. I mean, we have seen, unfortunately, we know, I mean, it's Black History Month. We know that the disproportionate impact these types of laws and these types of interpretations of laws, how they disproportionately affect women of color. Um, you, you and I, both, all, all of 
uh, sort of have read these articles about in, increased fertility among certain communities and how that's higher, uh, for example, for, for Hispanic women. And what they attribute that to, it, what that means is they're having more babies. And what they attribute that to is them having, frankly, fewer options, fewer choices, because they, if they're over 25, they likely already have another kid, which makes it difficult for them to be able to, you know, make all the right travel arrangements um, necessary to seek reproductive care that they need. Um, and so I think we are, we are seeing as has just been mentioned on, on this podcast, the effects on our healthcare, right? OBGYNs wanting to practice here and wanting to not practice here. The effect on um, on, on certain communities disproportionately. Um, as well, I, let's not forget, we are also a state that has not expanded Medicaid, right? So we're just kind of stressing an already stressed uh, medical environment and, uh, and medically underserved state. We're really just taking away the rights of a whole generation um, and stripping them of their futures because there's the teen pregnancy rates are going up too. One of my friends is an OB in Austin, and she said she's never seen this many pregnant 14 and 15 year olds throughout her career. Uh, Gina, I want to ask one more question. Is there anything that you can um, let us know that's coming next for Find Out Pack? We loved your first video. Is there anything that you can share with us about what's next? Well, I think we'll continue, um, as mentioned, to share stories. I think continue to share stories about people that are impacted by this. Um, and look, I think there will be other cases before the Texas Supreme Court. For example, they're slated to, to make it as to have a ruling in terms of the constitutionality of these travel bans, right? Some of these border counties that want to criminalize people just going through the state. Um, uh, so I think, again, there's going to be, we'll, I think we'll see continued examples of why it's important uh, that we oust to Jimmy, John, and Jane and continue to focus on this bench moving forward. But findoutpack.com, throw us a couple dollars or a lot of dollars, whatever you got. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be cheap, but our state is absolutely worth fighting for. Absolutely. 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 Thanks, you guys. Former Biden administration, U.S. Air Force undersecretary and Texas progressive icon Gina Ortiz-Jones, founder of Find Out Pack on a mission to flip not one, not two, but three seats on the all-Republican Texas Supreme Court. Gina, thanks so much for joining us. All the best to you and your team. And uh, we appreciate you bringing us up to speed today. Absolutely. And Lauren Miller, Texas mom and friend of the pack. Lauren, again, thank you for the courage to stand up and tell your story. It is super critical in this fight. We applaud you for doing so, and we're glad to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here today. I appreciate your time and the the ability to tell this story. Thank you both, ladies. February is underway, and again, we're asking you to show Progress Texas some love by becoming a recurring donor like Stephanie Evans, Jude Magaro, and Jean Robinson, who all have during our February member drive. We're looking for 29 new donors to support our work this very critical election year. Your donations are always welcome at progresstexas.org. And if you're enjoying our podcast, a very easy way to join us in the fight for progress is to just share our podcast feed with a friend. And if you're opinionated like me, drop us a review and a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks again for the support, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.